Excuse me, boss. Welcome to a late night latte on Latte Firm. What a glorious Sunday. Arsenal have been victorious at Stamford Bridge and we've beaten Chelsea by a goal to nil. Our third win on the spin at Stamford Bridge under Mikel Arteta. Lots to talk about. Subsequent results have also gone in our favour. Aston Villa, Unai Emery, Uncle Unai, uh, redeeming himself slowly by beating Manchester United by three goals to one. And of course, the scum getting beat at home to Liverpool. So what a glorious day. What a glorious Sunday. Sorry for being a couple of minutes late. Of course, I was hosting the post-match phone-in on Twitter. Hundreds of people tuning in live. I think probably our best show, record show. Right, let's get through some comments before I bring in some of our guests. Clegg Smegson, can't wait for the show today, guys. Love the show. Excited to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much, Clegg. V Vlad says, good evening, FK. Yembele, love the late night lattes after a win like this. Come on, you gunners. Dylan says, that was a tr that truly was a 1-0 battering. What a strange turn. We will talk about the game, of course. Uh, Latte Firm regular, Freddie Preston. Evening, guys. I couldn't speak on it today, but a great space earlier. Make sure to check it out, everyone. Thanks so much, Freddie. Really appreciate that. Chance coming in for Saliba, which is brilliant. Chan, evening all, except Aubameyang. Nothing personal. I love that, Chan. Uh, Patrick, back in the house. And on time, Patrick, thank you. Welcome all to the Top of the League Live. What a show we've got tonight. Nitin Patel, good evening. Overall, a very great Sunday for Gooners. Absolutely. Ben Browning, this work ethic. You're right, Ben. I've been doing the post-match space, which is a phone-in. Uh, I've been looking forward, you know, the corner of my eye on my laptop, getting ready for this uh, for this program on the YouTube channel. We're growing a really strong audience on both fronts, which is great. If you are new to Twitter, if you aren't aware of these phone-ins, you can go to the Latte Firm Twitter feed and you can play them as a recording. So maybe while you're out running, having a latte, maybe uh, your wife or, or your partner is for forcing you into watching something boring, whacking the old AirPods on the sly and have a, have a listen. Trevor Bivens says, good evening, uh, FK. Thanks very much. Really appreciate that. Quagmire, top of the league. You know it, my son. You know it. Quags, it's really nice to uh, to see you in the chat as well. Right, let's bring in some guests. First up, needs no introduction. It's Yembele. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it, it's honestly... It's been, a, it's been a delightful day. Simply superb. superb. It, has been, it has been superb. I've put in a shift, as Ben said. I've not had any food no. yet, so I've not, I haven't even got a snack. Have you got a snack? Snack check? What you got? Oh. Yes. Oh, my God. He's done it. It's upside down. Oh, as well. You went out for a bounty. I told, I told you I'd do it. I told you I'd do it. But look, all my bounty people, listen up. The dream is still there. Get out there. Tell these people what's going on. Elite. Oh, no. Elite. People. No, 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 no. Concrete Hippo with a lot of love. Yembo. Uh, listen, Bounty, if anybody is uh, unfamiliar with the story, there is a collection of chocolates which comes in a celebrations box in the UK, a very popular purchase at Christmas time. And they're doing a one off special edition this year without the bounties because bounties belong in the bin, in my opinion. Uh, Orange 53 says, Yes, Bounty. George Chan, I'm with Bounty. What's going on? Thank what you. Keep going, on here? Keep going Stop people. It, says. Thank RS says, Ban the bounty. Right, let's bring in some people. Let's bring in someone who I know is going to be, uh, you know, an elite uh, educator here in terms of chocolate taste. It's it's James. Welcome to the Latte Firm Late Night Latte. James, how are you, man? It's good to be back. And it's it's a very nice um, occasion to be back on as well. I am absolutely buzzing. I feel like I've been smiling ever since, ever since Arsenal and then ever since United lost and ever since Spurs lost as well. 
it's been it's been a good day of football and um i'm with yeah i don't but i will say i will say bounties aren't my first choice chocolate but they have to be in the tub because they're the ones that everyone else leaves so if i want to go to the because tub, they're garbage but there's all bounties left for me and they're nice they're really nice so they're not my first pick but they're a staple of the celebrations box and what else is going to be left if there's no bounties um can i just say just right now the, the the taste of this plus victory today plus everything else that happened is, is beautifully sweet mm. i i do oh, I get, 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 though, yeah, that is a big bounty that is massive oh no no this I is a standard bounty i was going for the bounty i was looking for the bounty trip I was looking for the triple. I was looking for the triple to make it even worse. For I was going to get a multi-pack just to really rub it into him. I told him he'll do it. Right. Okay. Listen, listen. Let's get back to the positive stuff, right? There's, uh, there's almost a couple of hundred of you watching live already. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. All that sort of jazz. And just get involved in the chat. Everyone's going nuts about Bounty, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, listen, chaps, what we're expecting was potentially maybe even Clive Palmer from the Arsenal Vision podcast towards the end of the show if he gets home in time. But we will open up by looking at the slides, which I normally do. And James, coming to you straight away first. Chelsea versus Arsenal. It's a very, very big fixture. It's a London derby. It was match day today, of course, and we have won there now three times on the spin. But going into the game, how are you feeling? Really nervous. Um, I knew, I know we have the quality, but I looked at a stat before the game, which is no team, no big six team had won a fixture away against another big six team this season. And um, there's obviously a reason for that. It's not easy to go to a big six team away. And um, you've got to have, there's got to be a huge gap in quality to be able to overturn that. And there was today. We were better than them in all aspects. And I was looking before the game, I did look at which of their players would get into our team. And I thought, am I being biased? Because very, very few of them. I thought, it, I was looking at it, I think there must be, there must be a few, but not many of their players get into our team. We are simply just better than them in all aspects at the moment. And it showed on the pitch. We, the way we dominated, um, and I, I'm sure you'll have the XG later, but it, it was absolute domination. We trounced them. It really was. And we'll talk about the game, of course, and how we suffocated, controlled and dominated the game. Uh, Yem, you had the courtesy of watching it at my gaff today. Um, and I've got some amazing video footage, which I'll oh, show, unless oh, you push your luck. Uh, Yem is basically a pacer. And whenever we, you know, you just can't sit still. Uh, we're watching the game pretty much from the get-go, pacing across my living room, doing laps. Uh, really, you know, horrendous stuff. But yeah, I mean, safe to say that you were nervous going into today's game because, of course, on paper, it's a big fixture. It's a big fixture, regardless of Chelsea's issues, regardless of our form. Always with these top six games, they're always a, a, a crapshoot in terms of how things will go because it could be the smallest aspects Today, it was purely that Chelsea really didn't have much in the way of invention in the final third, but we were on it. And it's not because of Chelsea's lack of invention. It's because we were pressing so hard and keeping it compact. There was, I think BT Sport showed a replay of how we were pretty much at the halfway line. We played such a high line and suffocated them. And we're going to talk about specific players, but, you know, it, it was it, those little things obviously make you nervous. If you're not an Arsenal fan and you're not nervous about these games where you're facing away as well, one of your competitors, then what are you here for? Because you know that it's never going to be a one-sided affair. Yeah. It never is. Even in the first half, you and I both said Havertz is getting really a lot of space. So it was never going to be a, 
while we're absolutely battering them. We, I thought, as most people I think will agree, it was a very professional performance. I think we controlled the game really well, which is really good to see that in a big game against a good team still, that we were, you know, we were controlling everything. It wasn't, it wasn't like we were exerting ourselves, overexerting ourselves. I thought we 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 probed re- really well, and I thought we made the spaces. Tackle, you know, defensively we were excellent, and we'll get on to all of that. But yeah, I, you know. Of course, I'm nervous, and and obviously with the you know with all the events that were happening in the game, you know, I thought Kukurea as well was getting away with a lot of stuff. It just made me more annoyed about how the game was flowing, and you know, it's just me. I, I think I'm one of those people who will just go, I'm not happy until the referee blows a whistle and we're done. Even though we looked comfortable, I can't do it. Oh, I know that you were you were walking frantically in my room. Oh, hold on, room. you were as well. You were literally both you and me. I was on my knees. Of our seat. Yeah, on a no, couple of times. Yeah. To, the only reason you did it was because your son kept coming in and going, "Daddy, can we do yeah, this?" <laughs> it was uh, the children coming in when you're trying to watch a live game. You've got to be really polite. But listen, Wayne. Hello, Wayne's in the chat. My fellow co-host on the post-match call-ins on Twitter. Late night lattes with Unai Yemery, My favourite content. Um, you, James, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, so obviously, look, we're both. We've all said that we were a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious about today's game. It is a big fixture. When the team news was announced, uh, Mikel Arteta went with Alexander Sinchenko at left back. These images, courtesy of Now underscore Arsenal and of course Arsenal.com. Um, what did you make of the team news, James? I suppose most of the team picks itself, but Zinni in at left back. Uh, it, made, it made me feel more confident because um, we know Arteta likes to play most with um, basically le- the left back in a pivot with Partey. Um, and when it's Tomiyasu, uh, he seems to prefer Tomiyasu over Tierney at the moment. And when it's Tomiyasu, it's decent. But then when you've got Zinchenko, it really does just take up another level because his technical quality is up there with the best left backs in the world really um so yeah it did fill me with confidence and kind of going on from yem's point about us holding a high line i think it's testament to how far we've come and how far this team's come because we held that high line for the whole game and in previous games of this nature we've held the high line maybe for 45 60 minutes and then they've started pressing us and we've, we've just gone back and back and back and even when we have got it over the line We've gone 5-3-2 with holding in defence and just cleared everything. But today, it was a really mature and almost scary performance by us because we played in their half until minute 90. And I think another reason for that is because of our two centre-backs and Ben White, of course, the three at the back, basically, who they just win everything. Gabriel was winning everything in the air. Saliba was isolated sometimes with Havertz and it was embarrassing watching Havertz trying to get past him, frankly. We'll talk about Kai Havertz because I thought in the first half um, he found some really dangerous pockets of space and that's probably as threatening as Chelsea were. Uh, Yem, the same question to you. I mean, look, most of the team picks itself, of course, but Sinchenko in at left back, I I think I disagree slightly with James about feeling safe, feeling confident. I personally would have liked to have seen Kieran Tierney start only because I had sort of, you know, flashbacks of Old Trafford playing so high up. I know Sterling's quick in behind. Um, but, you know, like James says, we, you know, we, we we have a high line, but we deal with it really well. How did you feel when you saw the lineup? Yeah, I, I kind of knew he would go with Zinchenko. I thought, you know, he was in the squad for the Zurich game and he does and he's done it before where, you know, before, you know, where he's been rust, you know, he hasn't had a, any game time, but he's still thrown him in. He, as James said, he really does favour the 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 guile and the invention and the just the, the way to play in midfield that, that the inverted role brings and Zinchenko has mastered. 
Personally, I would have gone with Tierney. I, I think Kieran Tierney's done nothing wrong for me. I think he's much more solid, and we'll get into that because I still thought Zinchenko was quite rusty in the game, um, as P. Smitty said there. And I thought they they took advantage. If they were going to take advantage of any particular area of our pitch, I thought they would have thrown it there because Zinchenko did look rusty when the ball was coming yeah. into his playing, losing the ball. His control is not in, in in debate. I think he's an excellent controller. His technique is outstanding. Some of the control he had was was great. My worry is always that teams will press hard on him. I don't think Chelsea could today, even with Sterling. And it was interesting that they could have. Maybe it's, Arteta has said, look, with all the capacity that we've got, Thomas Partey, Xhaka feeding, you know, slightly ahead of him. It, you know, Zinchenko may lose one or two balls, but he he's generally quite well protected. But to me, Tierney, I don't see what Tierney's done wrong. And that's just a personal thing. I, I don't see what he's done wrong. He's been really defensively solid. He actually inverted pretty well, actually, I thought, in the Zurich game. I, I just think Arteta favours Zinchenko more because he's technically more sound. Um, but other than that, the team was, you know, again, I was quite happy. For the first time in, in a couple of games, we've actually managed to pick a fully our, our strongest team against a big opposition. So it's, it's refreshing to have for us that I... That I feel more, I felt comfortable. I wasn't Zinchenko coming in didn't make me go, oh, that's it, we're going to lose the game. It was more, <clears throat> I would have liked to see Tierney. Which whereas before, in a couple of years, a year or so ago, we were, oh god, we're going to our left backs out. Who are we going to play? It's it, 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 it's a, you know, it's a different time now. We are now talking about our best left back last season is now our reserve, and we've got the depth now that we can say, look, even if Zinchenko pulled up in the warm up, you'd be like. Before I come back to you, James, just on that point, Yem, it was only 14 months ago that we went to the Etihad and lost 5-0. Burnt Leno, of course, was in goal that day, but our back five was Cedric Suarez at right back, Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, side Kalasinac, left centre-back, and uh, Kieran Tinney, uh, left wing-back. Um, James, anything you want to chuck into the mix about the sort of full-back choice and depth? Um, I know you were mentioning the United game, and I think a big difference today was the fact that we had Partey in midfield instead of... Um... Lukonga because he just every transition we face he's just there the octopus all over the pitch and he just he covers so much ground um, and I do think that helps against transition because when they come at us it tends to be from a long ball where they're skipping out the lines and by that point we've got a little bit longer to set ourselves and I do I do understand what you mean because our right hand side with Saliba and White is basically impenetrable at this point so you're going to look at a weakness which is our left hand side um so when you have Tierney, who is very, very strong offensively, you almost say, right, where are you going to go through us? Um, but I think Zinchenko is Arteta's son. I think he loves him. And I think when he's available, he will play. That is just the reality of it now. I'm with Michael. I think Tierney did enough on Thursday to start today. You know, goal-scoring hero performance gave 100 miles an hour. But that is why I'm watching the game on a Sunday with Yembele on my sofa pacing around my living room. And that's why Mikel Arteta is on the touchline paid the money that he is to lead the famous Arsenal to the top of the Premier League. And as you can see, 1-0 to the Arsenal. We will dissect the game. We'll talk about defensive performances in just a second. Um, and let's do the uh, sort of match overview. Courtesy of PremierLeague.com. That's the header that's just appearing. Arsenal, of course, beaten Chelsea by a goal to nil. Here are some of the match stats. These are courtesy of our good friend O underscore that underscore Crab. Crab stats. Um, I'm not going to read them all out, but you can see, of course, that we won the game by a goal to nil. Expected goal, 0 0.3 for Chelsea, 1.9 to Arsenal. We had 14 shots on goal compared to Chelsea's five. Only two on target, mind. 
at one for them. Uh, nine shots from open play for us. Possession, we bossed it in the end, 56.1% to 43.9%. There, there were three five-minute spells in the game, particularly in that second half where we'd had more than 80% plus possession, according to Sky Sports. Final third entries, look at that, more than double Chelsea. Uh, so expected threat created as well, 2.1 compared to zero and deep wow. touches. I mean... You mentioned it, James, control at the start of the show. And when you look at the attacking pressure chart, the red obviously indicating the momentum with Arsenal and the star of the goal, it was exactly that. It was a very comfortable, controlled, mature performance at Stamford Bridge from Arsenal. James, that's for you. Oh, sorry. He's looking at that chart. It's a beautiful chart. I missed my cue. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, as you as you say, we were we could have won by plenty more goals than we did. I thought in the final third, not just not just the um, the shot or the finish. I thought sometimes our final action was quite sloppy in terms of the cross, um, in terms of um, just make making the right decision in the final third. But but what I compare, I like to compare the way we play to the way Tottenham play, and people say, "Oh, Spurs can win a title like this." But it's not sustainable playing with 10 men behind the ball every week when you're 1-0 up because deflections happen, because the ref might give a freak penalty. If you play with the ball in the opposition half, how are they going to score? They're going to have to break on you. And by the time, when, but when they're trying to break, they're breaking with one or two players from the halfway line against Saka, uh, sorry, against Saliba, White and Gabriel, who are all excellent against transitions. So I don't know, I don't know where teams are going to, find joy against us at the moment because I guess the United game is a good example of where we just got torn through um, but I still persist that game because we didn't have our strongest midfield um, that we were just we were nowhere near it so when when we when Partey does turn up um, and when we have our strongest midfield I think we can dominate any team on the planet especially at home. Yeah, as the comment said, V Vlad James was in awe of our stats as well as I was telling the, telling the story. Um, yeah, Chelsea obviously having a bit of a turbulent time themselves, right? I mean, we love to see it. They still, I know they spent two hundred million pounds. I know Roman Abramovich has pumped in money, and they've been financially doping for for what twenty plus years now. But Graham Potter's come in, so he's trying to instill his ideas, a bit like Mikel Arteta when he first joined the club. They have had some injuries. Kepa was supposed to have started today, as was Reese James and, and Chilwell and N'Golo Kante. There's, you know, three, four really serious players for Chelsea. Um, do you think it was the just the perfect time to play them? And do you think actually on a different day, they would have been a much stronger force under Potter? It's hard to say because I don't know what kind of team they are this season yet. It, it seems that a lot of Chelsea fans are saying that without Reese James, they're not really the same side. And if it is reliant on one player, that's quite a serious deficit deficiency that you've got in the squad. They certainly got issues. You know, the, the injuries don't help. I, I think obviously losing Chilwell recently, their left back, etc., is not great. But they have a deep squad. I mean, if you look, I, I, I'm being very honest here. If you look at their squad, their bench compared to ours, yeah. their bench was far more le loaded than our one. So you can't level that. At, you know, Chelsea had no excuses. Oh, we've got these injuries and all that. You have got a deep squad with Kovacevic. You've got ex. You know, you've got you know Zakaria on the bench. You've got no excuses. Ziyech, Pulisic, Pulisic. I mean, yeah, exactly. There were no excuses. You know, Chelsea. You don't spend two to two hundred seventy-two million and say we've got problems. Sorry, it doesn't fly with me. I find that a, 
you know, a cop-out almost. Reese James being lost. Okay, so what, you've got Azpilicueta. He actually had a very good game, actually, Azpilicueta today, I thought, against Martinelli. The fact is, and it, and I do, t- I understand this, Potter has had no time to play, to, to work with these players. These are not his players either. They have been bought on whims and under the old guy, uh, you know, under the old manager of Tuchel. So he's not really bought any of his players. He's not got over his philosophy. Some of these don't fit his philosophy. You know, Raheem Sterling looks lost. I don't know if it's just the formation doesn't work for him, etc. But I do see that Potter is trying to crowbar a lot of players into a formation just to get them working. They were, they were, you know, initially they were pressing very hard. They were very tough tackling, etc. The a couple of the players I don't understand. You know, Kukurea to me is an ex is a very good left back. But he doesn't play very often, and, and Chilwell is favoured. Now, do you spend 60-odd million on a player and not have him and then bench him? Fair enough. But then you can't make the excuse, oh, we've got key players out. That's 60 million. It sounds to me like a key player is key player level to me. So I don't – look, injuries, yes, but that shouldn't be the excuse today. I, I think you've you've got such a deep squad that you should be able to handle those issues. Well, we'll talk about our goal and we'll talk about, obviously, our returning, uh, our ex-captain, obviously, facing us in just a second. The way that I saw the game is that I was nervous. I was a little bit anxious going into the game. You know, you and I do our normal pre-match routine of, you know, would you take a draw? You know, what's a good result today? Um, And I think most Arsenal fans, if I'm being honest, probably have that in their mind about, you know, actually today, Chelsea away. It can be tough on paper. We've been hurt there so many times over the years. But... The performance itself, and yeah, the first five to seven minutes, I thought was quite encouraging. The game kind of turned into a, a tight game of chess. Kai Havertz finding himself in some really dangerous positions. They weren't composed in that final third. And I think there were a couple of moments where I thought maybe if it, they could have just cut the ball back to maybe a mount or an Abamyang, that they might have taken the lead. But we then got into a bit of a, bit of a rhythm. But, you know, we, we've gone in at halftime level, goalless. After halftime... We've come out and Thomas Partey has absolutely bossed this game. Uh, I think one of Thomas Partey's probably best performances in an Arsenal shirt, certainly for me. Um, and let's talk about the goal itself. So, you know, moving through the slides, it was, of course, uh, as a result of a corner kick. And James, coming to you, I mean, Nico Jovic's been getting a lot of praise for Arsenal and his, his work at set pieces at Arsenal. Um, it, funnily enough, there were a few corners in the first half that I thought, oh my God, we can't clear the first man. Come on, Bukayo, just a little bit higher. Did you not have your breakfast today? He's gone in, second half, 63rd minute. He's whipped in a corner. It's gone right through, and Gabriel Jesus, uh, sorry, Gabriel, uh, our defender, has poked home on the goal line. What did you think of that whole sort of set piece, and what are you thinking at that moment to go 1-0 up at the bridge? I thought it was obviously the least the least we deserved given uh, the way we played that game and it was it was also like finally because I thought the longer the game went on it's going to be oh it's going to be one of those days um and I do think that going into the game Arteta would have really wanted to win so had it been nil nil going into the last stages of the game I think he'd have gone quite attacking which would have made a lot of us nervous um I don't know if you've seen it but did you notice what Cucurella was doing on the corner Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. Go on, Philip, enlighten the world. Enlighten the world. Tell us what he was doing. Um, so, Cucurella had absolutely no um, concern for where the ball was and was just giving Xhaka a nice hug the whole time. And the ball comes in. A nice hug is, is, is uh, I would say, very soft. I mean, this guy, 
was holding on to Granite Xhaka for dear life. And, and so close to him, almost as if he had his eyes shut and he was sort of smelling his fragrance. <laughs> Mate, if you could um, get a reverse I mean, camera I angle. I, it's be... what I'd do if I saw Granite Jacker down the street, right? I'd just be holding him tenderly. Uh, so, yeah, Kukurea, I don't know what he was doing, but carry on, James. And, yeah, I think Scott Parker actually analysed it quite nicely on Sky. Um, I don't know if you're watching the United game by this point, but I don't know what Havertz was doing on the front post. And then Kukurea was too busy. <laughs> getting concerned with what aftershave Xhaka was wearing, clearly. Um, and then Gabriel steps in and uh, smashes it into the back post. And one thing that a lot of... I guess it's easy to underestimate how important it is that Gabriel is the top-scoring centre-back. I, th- I don't know about penalties, but the top-scoring centre-back from open play in the past two years. And that's a really underrated trait to have because... If you go back to when Liverpool won the title with 99 points, when they should have they should have easily cleared 100 points, their centre-backs, it was Matip and Van Dijk at the time, were popping up with so many important goals. Um, so sometimes, I guess today isn't a perfect example of that, but when your players aren't turning up, you need your centre-backs to just stick the ball in the back of the net. And that's what he did today. And he will continue to do. And it looks like Saliba's able to do that as well. So they've contributed to four goals this season between them already so by the end of the season that could be that could be about 10 with the way they're going so it's all right it is all right bakary lasagna i love that name there's a meme of jacques kukurea cuddling set to the music you <laughs> need to link that bakary you need to link that or you need to dm me if you're on twitter because i really want to see that i want a piece of that uh, right there are over 500 of you watching live right now which i think is a latte firm late night latte record please do drop a like on the video it helps the video get uh, you know higher up the sort of youtube rankings and it gets more people involved and of course subscribe to the channel if you're new um i mean one nil at that moment james sticking with you we looked as if we were beginning to sort of really boss the game and suffocate chelsea did you have any doubt at one nil or were you a nervous wreck like me there's always doubt when it's one when it's one nil. There's always doubt that um, a freak incident could happen that they would um, just make one of those through balls given our high line, um, which is why it takes so much bravery from the players to say, despite that, we're not going to sh- shirk the responsibility and keep dropping. We're going to keep the high line because that's how we've been winning for sixty minutes, and um, in the end, they I think they had something like. 0.05 um xg in the second half or something they had it was a, they had about one or two shots and we absolutely stifled them um so yeah i'm always nervous watching arsenal especially when there's one goal in it but um really they they didn't do anything in the second half no, they didn't. And Chelsea did uh, nothing as the picture shows. I mean, uh, Aubameyang, who we'll talk about in just a second in terms of the nothing personal stuff. And uh, But yeah, uh, he was hauled off after eight touches in the game. Um, kind of sums him and his current form up, but also sums up Chelsea's performance today, Yem. What performance? It was... Sorry, I... apart from Havertz having a little bit of space in the first half, there was literally nothing... Did I, I don't think did they have a, they had one shot on goal or something like that. It was just, I think it was it, it was pretty tame. What I found interesting was that when they, you know, on the BT Sport um, commentary, they were saying as soon as Chelsea got to the final third, they had no clue what to do, and so they retreated, kept retreating back, and I, it was very apparent they were scared to go forward. Raheem Sterling looked a shadow of the play he could be. Aubameyang's biggest involvement was a was a tackle, was a you know a, a 
quite a horrendous tackle. It tells you everything. They were frustrated. They lacked ideas. I didn't see much in the way of, you know, any any forward thinking or any invention, a couple of crosses. Was there anything else really? I mean, mainly it was us. We were dictating everything. I thought second half, there wasn't were Chelsea even in the game at that, at that point. I didn't see anything. It was all us. Um, but that's a testament to how we played. I thought we imposed ourselves really well, that second half as well. The first half was more like a chess game. I thought it was very cagey. The second half wasn't even a contest in terms of how we asserted ourselves. I just thought what we lacked, which I think everyone can agree with, is our finishing was a little was off. And that's our biggest problem. And it's not just Gabriel Jesus who you can level that at. Bukaya Saka, you know, you know, there was Martinelli had opportunity. Erdegaard, Erdegaard had one as well. Erdegaard, oh my god, Erdegaard. Yeah. It, 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 that's a that's a concern in terms of look. You've had these all these good opportunities and something that we do, you know, I'm sure Arteta is looking at, but we won. And that's the main thing that you found a way through despite the issues. So, you know, it showed just how dominant we were, how we were imposing ourselves. I thought Thomas Partey was absolutely outstanding. You and I both waxed lyrical. It wasn't just his, his defensive ability. It's the, you know, the way his touches press it, you know, little flicks over players to get people out of the, you know, get people. <laughs> they keep coming through, Yem. Yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Always in style, it all. Obama who? And then Wayne comes back with Obama blood, Clark, Yem. Yeah. Oh, man, you guys, is, you guys crack me up. Go on, Yem. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that Aubameyang, I, I think someone said it on the space because I did listen in. He doesn't look happy. He doesn't look he doesn't look happy there. He, Barcelona was a different matter. That was the club he wanted to go to. You know, he wanted to play in Spain. And he he was at his the, the club he wanted to, and he was scoring goals. They were designed around. Chelsea just, I think they just came in with money, and he has no, you know, he had no choice. Yeah, because I, I, he was being replaced by Lewandowski, so he wasn't going to play for Barca. No, exactly. And I think with Barcelona, the, if they'd said, we want to keep you, I think he would have been happy to stay in that kind of substitute role, etc., but the moment they said Chelsea offered you fifty, have offered us fifteen million. We're going to take it. it I it agree kind with of... him. I, I don't think Aubameyang wanted to to play for Chelsea. I don't think he's particularly happy there. I think he was genuinely happy about leaving England, going to Barcelona. He thought he was going to be their main man. They've obviously gone and you know replaced him fairly quickly. And I think Chelsea's head turned as soon. Sorry, Barcelona's head turned as soon as Chelsea offered a bit of money because a they're so broke and b they probably realised that actually he's on hefty wages. He's come back, and I mean, some of those of you who follow me on on Twitter, my personal account, as you can see, F Carnage. If you look at uh, one of the tweets that I shared last night, there's like behind the scenes sort of footage of, of filming of this advert where you can see the BT producer saying, "Oba, say nothing personal," and he's sort of like smiling and not not making eye contact, and he's very sort of apologetic, almost almost a bit embarrassed, like he's doing it because he was sort of forced to do it, but. He said it nonetheless, you know, uh, I'm I'm back, hey Arsenal, I'm blue, I'm ready, nothing personal. And then, of course, Gabrielle after the game tweeting, uh, nothing personal, London is red. James, what did you make of this? And what do you make of the response from someone like Gabrielle? Because something is clearly, um, I mean, if you were mates, you don't tweet that. But I think I think there's a little bit, I think there's a little bit in there from, from Gabrielle about nothing personal. Uh, what do you make of it all, James? Um, I I do feel a little bit sorry for Aubameyang because I agree with you. I think he was kind of pushed towards saying it and I don't think he really wants to be there, as you said. Um, 
I think my sentiment would be very different if he was a success at Chelsea because I can feel sorry for him because he's not playing well. But if he was banging in the goals, then I'd say Judas, don't care about him. Um, I also think now Chelsea have, well, Graham Potter specifically has an Aubameyang-sized problem at the club because he didn't sign him. Tuchel signed him as a one last hurrah and then which Bowley allowed and then sacked him straight after. Um, and Aubameyang is a Tuchel player. He he's he's talked in the past about him being he's always had to tell Aubameyang to come early to training and stuff, and they get on and Tuchel can can get by with his lateness. But I don't think Graham Potter is the sort of manager who would love that. And I thought maybe that they'd get six months out of him and then he'd start to decline. But it doesn't even look like they've got that much because Chelsea's attack is just completely. They, they just seem to have no idea what's going on in attack at the moment. Um, in terms of Gabriel, I think I think some of the players did take it personally. Um, not him, not necessarily him joining Chelsea, but I think just the way he acted at the club when Arteta was so big on we are one, there's no egos around the group and he thought he was better than others. And if you look at that and you look at your classmate who all of a sudden he thinks he's better than you and he's not performing, you will say, you'll say, well, well, why is he getting preferential treatment? And Arteta did the right thing, clearly. Um and I know a few of the players will have been annoyed about that. So, yeah, I think Gabriel, it's, he's actually done this a few times now. He was the one who tweeted after um, Tony did the kickabout with the boys. So, he's making Gabriel's making a habit of these tweets after the game. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And especially if it's, if it's any way to spur them on, then um, so be it. Ramsdale actually came out after the game and said Arteta didn't speak about that in the changing room. Um but they they knew they definitely knew, and I think even I don't know if you've seen the picture, but Gabriel celebrated right in front of Aubameyang too. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Uh, as uh, Jason Hesker, thanks very much for your comment. First time watching, very enjoyable. There are just shy of seven hundred of you watching live right now, which is amazing, and I'm pretty sure that that is a latte firm late night latte record. Right, I don't want to dwell too much on Aubameyang because look, he is a player of the past. Of course, it was, uh, you know, supposed to be teed up as box office today. Nothing personal, that jazz, but eight touches, hauled off, a bit embarrassing on his front. And of course, Arsenal have beaten Chelsea. Let's go back to the positives. And as per some of the chat uh, requests, let's talk about our defensive duo, Ben White and William Saliba. Guys, I am running out of superlatives for these two. Let's start with, <laughs> I couldn't find any good pictures of Ben White. That is the only one <laughs> that, that I the, could find. That is the worst right? picture of Ben White. But to be fair, it, Mikel, like loving him, shows, let, let's talk about Ben White in just a second. Let's start with William Saliba, the official man of the match. I'm, I've said it before and I'll say it again, guys. On this channel and in uh, on post-match spaces, the, the, you know, the phone-ins that we do, I've basically said, look, I've been supporting Arsenal for a very long time. And I've seen a lot of young players burst onto the scene and make an impression Cesc Fabregas, Patrick Vieira, Nico Anelka, um, Jack Wilshere, Aaron Ramsey. I mean, I'm so lucky. So, so blessed, right? <clears throat> I know it's only been 12 games or whatever it is. But when I see William Saliba, I would say that he is the best youngster and making the biggest impact on our team at this level of the game of any player that I've ever seen. Um yeah, similar age to me, a little bit older for anybody wondering. Um, uh, what are your? But still thoughts? looking beautiful. Look at that. <laughs> oh, shut up. So what are your thoughts on 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 Big Willie? Because my God, what a player! I think you've used the word before, generational. 
I, uh, it's a hard tag to put to live up to. I think he is. The scary thing about him today in a high pressure top six game, he was the coolest customer on the pitch in every situation. One, the one, the one of the most interesting one was Broha. Literally, was um, a couple of yards ahead of him. He was offside. Salim didn't know that. Literally, just put the afterburners on, sorted across, and just tackled. It was, it was ridiculous. He was. He didn't even try. I don't think I've seen him exert himself as in go panting, going. I've I, I really worked my lungs off. He literally just looked cool every two minutes, every time he's on the ball. There was a point I think Chelsea players just scared when he was, you know, he was looking at them, when he even looked at them. It, it it is scary how good he can be as well. This is him at what is he? Is he nineteen twenty ish? I think he's nineteen now, isn't he? Twenty one, I think. Twenty one. That's actually genuinely scary for a defender because defenders tend to peak around about the 25, 26, 27, 28, and into the 30s become more technically 25, aware. 26, 27, 28. I mean, I get what no, but, you mean. But, I get what you know, mean. As, in, as, as, they get, uh, as they get older, <laughs> then they start to mature and have this calmness about him. He has the calmness already. It is. It, it worries me slightly how calm he is when there's so many players around him. I won't lie, you know. But he is. he's the perfect foil for Gabriel as well. Those two as a mixture. I've seen a lot of good defensive units, you know, from different teams from our team over the years. This has got the potential to be one of the greatest if we can keep them both together because the mix of speed, power, calmness in in Saliba playing the balls and, and being that, you know, that that drop the, the defenders to drop back whereas Gabriel is the more physical, you know, that's no slight on Saliba. Saliba can head the ball very well, but Gabriel's heading ability is probably one of his biggest strengths I find. But the combination of the two, and that they're, they're both, you know, their ideal footing on, in their defensive positions is amazing. It's just how long can you keep them together? Saliba has to. I've said it so many times on the on the channel. We have to get the the, the contract done for Saliba as soon as possible. The longer it goes on, the worse it makes it because obviously we're getting towards January as well. You have a, he will have a good World Cup if he if he starts and he will start at some point. He will make that position his own because. The level there are no levels. I think he's he's only touching the the periphery of what he could truly be, because there's so much to his game already. As I said, he's not breaking a sweat. What will happen when he breaks a sweat against an Mbappe, against a you know a Haaland? The the Haaland one is is very mouthwatering when you meet him because you want to know the immovable object meets meets the you know the indestructible force. What is going to happen? It's it. It really is, you know, I, I can't rave enough about Saliba. And he, again, he just doesn't, even when he talks, he just doesn't, be. he's not phased. And he's getting better as well. I've noticed his English is coming on leaps and bounds. So he's a smart boy as well. I, I love him. I just, I just want his contract done and dusted now. Of course. I mean, you say whether he stays at Arsenal or not, <clears> he is, he is going to be, you know, the, the peak. He is going to be the next generational defender. So many nice comments coming in about William Saliba. James, I'm going to turn the question on you as well. I mean, um, honestly, I am amazed at the impact that William Saliba has had at Arsenal already. Yem talks about some of his traits. Yes, he is a colossal of a centre-back, you know, physically imposing, intimidating, very strong. But he's got such a nice finesse about him when he's on the ball. He's so composed, so calm. Uh, makes everything look easy. There was a moment, as one of the chaps said in the chat, where he sort of broke uh, broke Brocker's heart. But I think there was a moment where he played. The, the striker was 
way offside. And yet when Saliba gets going, he sort you know, he opens up his stride and he sort of gallops effortlessly, like he's sort of sky, you know, sort of floating on ice. Just he's just the most beautiful defender to watch. I, I've said it all for you, James, but come on, eulogize about him. Yeah, it's 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 hard not to I try and be a measured and unbiased Arsenal fan. And I think I am being when I say he's already world-class at 21 and he is genuinely one of the best centre-backs in the world. And people can try and dispute that, but the way he's transformed us as a team, we're first in the hardest league in the world. So you have to pin that on someone. And he's one of our best players already, quite quite easily, without breaking sweat. There was a moment when Havertz was running at him. and I can't remember when it was. Havertz was running at him and then he just like steps on the ball and Saliba just like brushes him out of the way and just takes it clear. And that just kind of sums him up. He's He doesn't get rattled in these big games, which is massive because often at times in the past, I know people see Ben White as a cool and calm customer, but he is someone who I think sometimes in front of a crowd can want to play the part. So he tries to prove himself too much, but Saliba doesn't care any about the noise. He just plays his game. Um, and I think something that Liverpool went from being top four contenders to title contenders after they signed Alisson and Van Dijk and he is our Van Dijk and I think um, Jesus is the other one who in that striker position has just taken us up so many levels Um, not that many players start for big teams at his age especially in centre-back if you go back maybe 10 years you've got about Varane who was who was starting for Real Madrid at that age? Um, Delict was looking like it, but even he's not really getting a proper running at the moment. Um, he's I, I agree with you. I think he is generational, and I think also something that's reassuring with the contract is we're top of the league. So if we were fourth, if we were in the Veng- the the end of Wenger years when we had players when we were a bit of a selling club. And when we didn't, we weren't really showing the ambition, but we're atop the league. We're one of the most exciting prospects in the world. Um, and the fans absolutely love him. So he, he's He's got a chant within, what, five games of playing for us. So um, aside from maybe Real Madrid, I don't see where he'd go. Um, and I absolutely love him as well. He can be whatever he wants to be. And as long as we're competing... Um... You know, what what a what a mouthwatering prospect. I Debito, thanks so much for your generous contribution to the channel, my friend. Really appreciate that. That was at the start of the show. I did keep it started. I just didn't have a good time to do it. And I didn't want you sort of um dropping off. As I'm sure James, I know you've got to go and play football tonight, so feel free to drop off in your own time. But do stick around if you want to add anything else. And just one more comment. Afsar underscore gunner. Evening latte. Yes, latte is not my name. I get called that at football. <laughs> People at the Emirates Stadium. Latte, latte on the underground. It's it's highly amusing. But yeah, I really appreciate the chat nonetheless um let's talk about ben white and james i know you're pushed for time so let's start with you benny blanco uh is he the most underrated player in the premier league at the moment james is that is that a fair question yes i tweeted that out about a week ago and um he was the player that came to mind uh when i said it i think he's oh also when people say he's um i can't remember who it was there was someone who um a pundit who said, oh, Ben White couldn't start right back for England because that's not even his position. Oh, he shouldn't be starting centre-back for England because he's playing out of position. It doesn't matter. He's he's a top, top quality player wherever he plays. And um, he's almost only playing right back because he's that good offensively as well. The way he just can progress the ball, the way he just tackles any attacker in his way, he is 
perfect for that inverted right-back role. And I do think that when Arteta signed him, he was definitely aware that he wanted Saliba back and that he that White was possible for that role. Um, but at the time, everyone was giving it Arteta saying, oh, why would we spend 50 million on White when we've got Saliba? Um, and look where we are now. So I'm I'm very happy with White, I think. I think he makes that right right back position his own because Tommy Yasu last season was excellent and um, just can't get a sniff in at right back at the moment. So um, yeah, he he should definitely be a starter for England, I think, and um, I'd definitely say he's one of our most underrated players as well as one of the Premier League's most underrated players at the moment. I hear you. Uh, anybody who wants to follow James, he is on Twitter at afcjxmes. What are you doing tonight? Five aside, eleven aside. What's going on? Five aside, but I've got to play. Got to play uh, with a low intensity because I dislocated my shoulder um, on last Sunday, actually. Um, Playing so football be... with a dislocated shoulder. Unbelievable. Keeping, keeping out of trouble tonight, hopefully. Fair enough. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, James. Thanks so no much. Problem. Look after yourselves. And of course, like I said, if anybody wants to follow James, he is at AFCJXMES. Cheers, James. Uh, yeah, Ben White. Uh, same question to you. Lots of really lovely comments coming in about Ben White. Uh, one about being a uh, 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 Ben White sexual, which is great. Um uh, Arteta found an absolute gem. The biggest thing for me, right, guys and gals watching this show, Ben White is being so outstanding this season, and he's potentially the most underrated player in the Premier League. And this is all whilst he's playing out of position. Um, you know, centre back is we, we know where he wants to play, but he's playing at right back. Look at the way Mikel Arteta is just you know tenderly squeezing his cheeks after the game. I think Arteta knew that this was a colossal performance from Ben White and and Ben's just not getting the plaudits. I mean, when you watch dipshits like Dyer making the mistake that he did uh, today against Liverpool and you see Kieran Trippier as other options, Trent, who's having a terrible time at the moment, how is he not getting into the England squad? I don't care. Do you know what? I, I'm with some of the people who are saying he shouldn't go, you know, I wouldn't take him to the World Cup because I don't want him to go. I don't want him to get injured. I don't want him to get tired. But he should be going because he's outstanding. If Gareth Southgate can't see that he's probably their best defender as well, uh, at centre-back as well, because I don't see how, you know, for me, Harry, he's in front of Harry Maguire. Maguire doesn't even start for his club, so it doesn't make any sense. He He's good on the ball. He's pacey. Yeah, Dyer, I mean, Dyer plays in a three. So if Gareth Southgate, I think we all know, has got some... So, you know, I'm not sure he's tactically that that great anyway. So if you cannot see, if one of the best managers in the league at the moment in Arteta can see that Benny White can play right back sufficient, you know, so well that he's, you know, he's put him there when he's got other options. He could have gone out to the market and bought other options. Then I don't understand why Southgate can't, but that's not, you know, I don't really care. If he didn't pick him, I'd be happy because he'd be fit for us, get a rest. He's looking absolute today. He was absolutely superb. He was tackling so well. He he was progressing up the pitch really nicely. I, I thought he he had a really good game, and I think it, it was a good shout that he should have been named man of the match. You know, again, so many players were had you know had performances that really stood out. He had another one, and he's not. I don't think he's actually had any bad performances. Has he actually been? I don't think. I think he's always been. You know, he's no. I think he's. I think he's consistently outstanding at right back yeah, and when you think about him playing out of position um i think actually i think today's appearance against chelsea uh makes uh him have played now more games for arsenal than any other club which is great but he's still a young boy and he's only been here for just over a year exactly. um 
you know, if you want versatility in the World Cup, if you want the versatility that you need, how are you not taking Ben White and starting him as well? Because he's played in Europe, he's played the big games now, he's excelled in them. He's not where where I don't understand the justification. And I know here in Trippier will start at right back for 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 Gareth Southwood because that's how yeah. he will operate. It, it's it's obvious. I actually don't I don't mind that to be honest. Again, mm. I'm being purely selfish, but for his personal sake, he should be starting games because I don't think there's a better option in that England squad in terms of versatility, progression of the ball as well. He progresses the ball really well from centre-back. You know, we saw it in the Zurich game. At the end of it, he was moved to, you know, not, maybe not the Zurich game, one of the other games, he was moved to centre-back because, you know, Gabriel went off. And he, had, he didn't even, you know, bat an eyelid. It was, he's the natural there. He's a natural at right-back. You can't say anymore that he he's playing out of position because he's not. He's one. Of the, he's probably one of the best right backs in the league at the moment. And if it is out of position, then that's really scary. What what he could do, you know, later on. Well, Wayne says he's been our player of the season so far. Uh, Munadir says, "Screw England, keep White fit." <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, listen. Uh, England's loss, I suppose, is our gain because um, if he doesn't go to the World Cup, he gets five six weeks to work on his tan, his beautiful tan. And uh, and just get rested, and you know, keep training, keep you know, keep fit. And when when Boxing Day comes around and the fixtures come again, thick and fast over the winter period, that's our benefit. But of course, you know, like you say, it would be you know, I, I support England in the World Cups, of course, and uh, I'm in trouble. Who said you know, Gareth Southgate's picked Cody, Maguire, and Mings over White? What a clown! Uh, I think that's right. Uh, the disrespect, as Fraser says, also the disrespect to Tamori yeah. uh, and White has already been established. Let it continue, he says. Um, Abhishek, as Bavs, who often comes onto the Latte Firm channel, says Benny Blanco. Absolutely. Look, Ben White's been outstanding. And listen, I don't know what the future of Ben White is in terms of his position, but whether it's at right back, and I was a bit anxious about him at right back. You know, let's let's rewind back to the Crystal Palace, the season opener. You know, you and I were both on the phone and we were saying to each other, Oh, Zaha, mm. Ben White, right back, really? And he sat him down on the floor. And he sat down a lot of opposition on the floor and people can't beat him. And when you think about our back four, was said this on the last late night latte last weekend. Ben White is six foot plus. Saliba is six foot plus. Gabriel is six foot plus. Tomiyasu is six foot plus. Yeah, okay, Sinchenko and Tierney maybe have a little bit of a way to go, but you get my point. They are all physically very intimidating, very difficult to beat one-on-one. -on -one. Recovery pace is brilliant. When, and when they're on the ball, possession, transition, helping us build from the back. Phenomenal. Exactly. Ben White today, there was a point at which he got the ball from the defence, was progressing it through, you know, so nicely, beating two or three players. It was, why is, you know, why is he, He's you know, incredible. why is everyone's, it was, it was amazing. He is. Uh, Sandev asks, question for FKNM, do you think Benny even wants to go to the World Cup? Um, yeah, he does. I he think does. so. Yeah. I think so. I think um, I mean it's a, it's a fair question, Sundev. I mean, well, I suppose Sundev's probably asking from the from the angle that when you've been overlooked so many times, uh, he's probably now resorting to the fact that, or he's you know concluding the fact that he's only going to get picked if there are injuries or if you know um, he, he, he clearly not first choice. But I do think deep down, any player wants to play for his nation, and I think if there's a chance that that Benny gets called up and gets to be part of that squad and go on the plane. I think he'll be he'll be happy and he'll be a magnificent servant to the country. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think every player, no matter how much they say it, wants to play for England. It's it's just uh, you know I think he's deserved enough to be a starter. I don't think Gareth Southgate sees him as that. 
Mm-hmm. You'll probably get some games, but is it, you know, every player wants to play the big games, the quarterfinals, the 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 ones against the the big, you know, against the big teams. I'm sure Ben Ben is like that. It, it but he's never favoured him. Southgate clearly doesn't favour him for whatever reason. You know, it, he prefers to it, it's look, unfortunately, we England's manager has decided that players like Maguire, etc., players who are out of form, who have made consistent mistakes, and that's mm-hmm. like even in, in games should be rewarded with starting places. Indeed. Right. Uh, There's a question from Nav in the chat, which I will come to. But as normal, let's end the show by looking at the Barclays Premier League. Uh, Was was supposed to join us, but he was charging his phone. And I think he's probably uh, been on the source today. And Clive Palmer of the Arsenal Vision podcast was also going to make a surprise appearance only if he got home on time from the pub. But neither has happened. Uh, We will get them back on during the week, I think, for a sort of Season review so far. Right, let's look at the Premier League table, courtesy of PremierLeague.com. As you can see now on your screens, Arsenal handsomely at the top of the league. 13 games played, 34 points on the board, plus 20 goal difference, which is really pleasing to see. I think we've scored the second most number of goals in the Premier League we have, second only to Manchester City. Manchester City, of course, getting over the line against Fulham yesterday at home. They needed a last gasp penalty very dubious uh, sort of penalty award, the foul on Kevin De Bruyne, but Erling Haaland uh, poking home and Bert Leno so close to saving it, just sort of trickled in underneath him. But City, of course, keeping up the pressure. They are on 32 points. Newcastle United with a really impressive win away at Southampton today. 4-1, I believe, was the final score. They've climbed into third place. Can Do you think they can sustain it, Yeah, very quickly? They're, they're missing their main striker in Isaac, and they're still there. Callum Wilson's having a fantastic time. They're going to only enforce in January because they've got the funding. Gosh, I, I think they will be... that. Isak's not played, is he? Yeah. No. Callum Wilson. I think they will be there or thereabouts. I think a European place is certainly on for them because I think what it's similar to what Arteta's been doing. It's just been done much quicker, you know, in terms of, you know, they've got a well-drilled side. Almiron's firing. The question will be always, you know, injuries. The World Cup is the big unknown with everything. But... They've been they've done well. Look at the results. It doesn't it doesn't lie. The it is just how they're going to do it against the the biggest. You know when we when the you know the big teams and we've got them quite early in January as well. So it's a it's an interesting test to come back from the World Cup and will you know if they make signings. It, it's a question of I think they've done well in the signings in that they're not mind blowing explosive apart from Isaac. Will they do it in January? Because I think look we're going to have to push on. It's, it, well, but they're doing we, really well. We will wait and see. Lots of nice comments, very positive comments coming in about Newcastle. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, of course, losing the dipshits at home to Liverpool today. Liverpool really hanging on right at the end. But of course, Mo Salah's brace means that Liverpool now climb the table and they've climbed into eighth. Manchester United losing against former Arsenal manager Uncle Unai. Uh, Villa trouncing them at home, three goals to one. Unai. For all the nightmares that you gave me, certainly, uh, you, you've you've well on your way to redeeming yourself, lad, which is really, really appreciated. And Brighton, Potter's former club, have climbed up above Chelsea. I mean, look, the Premier League's in a in a well. I mean, 12, 13 games in now, fourteen games for some of the for for, for some of the clubs. Yeah, I want to go back to Nav's question if I can find it. Here it is. Do you think we are title contenders, Yem? I'll tell you today. We are. Did he? He's finally admitted. He's finally admitted it. We are. Did he really? Yes, he did. Wow. So I've not. I've not seen the post match. Uh, but do you so, think we are? 
Yeah, I think we are. I, I think it's look. We can't say look. We're getting towards the halfway point, nearly of the of the season, and we're we we've had you know where we've had issues, where we've had maybe a draw or a loss. We've still come back, and we've done well. You cannot not say that after these games that we're not in the title race there or thereabouts. We have. Well, let's ask the people in the chat very quickly just before you finish your answer. Um, just a simple yes or no. Let's see what overrides. Are we in a title race, ladies and gentlemen? Go on, yeah. No, I think we are. The reason is is that we're, we're consistent. It's something we've lacked for a number of years. We are consistent. We are, you know, today was a big test. We came through it again. So we are, you know, we're back at the top. Next week at Wolves, we go again. If we make it to the World Cup, top of the league, I don't think anyone, you know, most Arsenal fans are saying, look, it's not going to happen. Man City are this juggernaut. Maybe they are, but we're still there or thereabouts. It's now going to be the case of, and we discussed this earlier, Fies, around in January, because it, it was our downfall last season. I think everyone acknowledges that. We didn't reinforce. If we're going to sustain a title charge, because this squad clearly does have issues at the squad, not the first team, we have to reinforce. And it's how much, how big do the Cronkiers go in? And we talked about the similarities with the LA Rams. The Rams went big. Well, Mikey's just said... Arteta's going to buy in January if he's come out and said that. I mean, there's obviously been whispers of Danilo as a central defensive midfielder, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik being linked to Arsenal. Um, and I, think it's on, I, I think I think it's on joking the about him joining Arsenal in, in Jan. I think you're right, Yim. I think we get to the World Cup, and if we are top, I know this is a really silly thing to say, but it is sort of you know uh, fine margins. But we were talking about it today during the game. If Arsenal are top going into the World Cup and come January. I think the, the board, the club, Arteta, Edu, they might sort of sit together and go, guys, we've got such a unique chance here. We didn't expect to be here. January's here. Post-international tournaments is always expensive moves and players on the move. I think this January is going to be explosive, by the way, because it's going to be on the back of a World Cup. I think the Premier League are going to be big, big, big spenders again. And if we can get, let's say, a Danilo and a Mudrick and maybe, maybe even one more day we dream, then we could be talking about it. And I think... Had we have gone in maybe second to City, I think the club may have reevaluated in Jan and sort of said, well, actually, the goal was always top four. City looked like they're probably going to walk it. Let's just reinforce what we need so that we can go big in, in June. But I think this January, oh, mate, I think this January we can go big. Um, so, yeah, lots of people saying in the chat that yes, I think yes wins it. But there are a few slightly cautious maybe suffering from from recent PTSD from from Arsenal collapses but, no, but the, the, question the, the majority was, is feeling confident the question was are we in the title race not are we going to win the title and we are in the race it's clear we are there it's okay. you know it, are we going to win it Oof. it's a it's a it's a hard one because you're talking about a juggernaut that even yesterday they didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> literally, in the 95th minute, they literally got the penalty. It, it just know. seems a bit of a, a, a kismet type scenario that they got it. And we were watching, I was watching it, and I was going, oh, I know. Robinson, well, well, let, well, let, well, let's see what happens. It's, it's a great opportunity, as Swill says. Why not go big for two players? Um, Aaron says Danilo, Mudrik, and Savage, and we're good oh, for the time. I forgot about Milinkovic for Savage. That's all. If we got. Quality, and I'm saying quality in the in the window. That's a game changer because I think that was our biggest Achilles heel last season that we didn't we didn't buy those players. Tottenham did, and they made the Champions League. Don't forget we are we are outfitting for a Champions League tilt 
next year because regardless of where we finish, we are still going to be in the so we've got to add quality certainly but there is a chance as Muna says it's the hope that kills you Muna you're absolutely right uh let us end it there there we are bang on the hour mark guys ladies and gents it's been a long old evening for me we did the phone in so if you're on twitter get onto the latte firm twitter feed and dial into that phone in you can listen to it as a pre as a recorded show it's brilliant it's probably our most popular and biggest show we've done so far um, the late night latte, which is tremendous fun to do. We had more than 750 at its peak, which is probably a record for this channel. Really appreciate all of the support, all of the love, all of the chat in the comments. Uh, lovely, lovely comments coming through. Look, it's a joy to do it. And what I would say in closing, in about 10 days time, I'm heading to Manchester for the Football Content Awards. Those of you who have been very long-standing supporters and fans and viewers of the channel will know that we were shortlisted uh, for Best New Content Creator. Um, so I'm going to go go to Manchester and see if we can win it. Uh, I'm on the Arsenal table. I'll be sat with Tom from Guna Talk. I'll be sat with Clive from the Arsenal Vision. Uh, Nicole, uh, Nicole Halliday, I think she's the sort of ex-Arsenal.com presenter. She's on our table as well, as will be Jess from She Knows Arsenal. So it's going to be it's going to be a good night, and hopefully I can bring it home. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. If you want to if you want to follow Yemin on Twitter, he is at Verge59. Feel free to follow him, engage with him, and of course, there's my. My handles uh, as well. But look, in closing, Arsenal have returned to the top of the Barclays by beating Chelsea by a goal to nil at Stamford Bridge. That's three wins on the spin now for Mikel's tricky Reds at Stamford Bridge. And we are back at the top of the Premier League table. Brighton up next. Wolves just before the World Cup. Who knows? There up we the go. Arsenal. Up Bye the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal.